the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. During the first part of Jesus' ministry, people were attracted to him and came to him. When the time came that their allegiance was tested, the true nature of their faith was apparent. Welcome back to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. Yesterday, Pastor Leighton was talking about the followers of Jesus as described in the sixth chapter of the book of John. Uh, Some were turning their backs on Jesus. They defected from the movement. Uh, Some were fair-weather friends with him as long as things were going well. And some were in it for what they could get out of the relationship from a selfish perspective. And the list continues today. And then there was deterioration. And we probably see this most in Judas. Judas was numbered among the twelve. The twelve the apostles. He could have become a hero of history. And instead, he is known by those who love Jesus and those who don't as a villain. He might have become a saint, but instead his name is associated with shame and treason. There's a story of, a, of an artist who was painting the Last Supper. And it was a large picture. It was a demanding picture. It took him very, many years to, to paint this picture. And he began with the face of Jesus. And so he went and he found a young man that had a face of purity and loveliness and, and brought the man into the studio and sat him down and, and paid him to be the model so that he could use that man as the model of the, of the painting for the face of Jesus Christ. And bit by bit, over the years, he would go and he would find somebody who could be the model for the various apostles, the various disciples. And he would paint their pictures. And at last it came time to find someone who would model the face of Judas. And so he went out into the lowest haunts of the city and into the dens of vice. And at last they found, he found a, a man with a face so depraved and vicious as to meet his requirement. And so he invited the man to come in and paid him to be a model. And as he was finishing the painting of the face of Judas, the model said, you painted me before. Oh, surely not, said the artist. Oh, yes. I was the face of Jesus. The years had brought some terrible deterioration. The years can be cruel. They can take away our ideals, our enthusiasm, our dreams, our loyalties. They can leave us with a vision for life that is smaller, not greater. They can leave us with a heart that is shriveled instead of one growing in the love of Christ. Verse 67, so Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Now, this is the first occurrence in John's gospel of the term the twelve. 
It is found often in the other Gospels. It's only found here in one other chapter in the Gospel of John. And uh, this is a dramatic moment when Jesus challenges the twelve. He says, do you want to leave me as well? The form in which this question is phrased in the original language is phrased in such a manner that he expects a negative answer. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, this question was addressed to all 12, but Peter decided to be the spokesman, which happened often, by the way, in the Gospels. Uh, He was impetuous. He was ready to jump to conclusions. Uh, He was capable of exceptional ineptitude. But he was also capable of astonishing heights as well, as is exemplified here. And his affirmation in verses 68 and 69 identify two marks of a true disciple. He says, we have believed. That indicates that, that, that there is a spiritual birth. There is faith present. And then he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? And that marks faithfulness. He's saying, we're staying with you regardless. And that marks character. And the perfect tense uh, of the verbs translated have believed and have come to know conveys the idea of an act that was completed in the past, but it has ongoing or continuing results. The initial faith of true disciples results in a continuing commitment in loyalty to Christ. Unlike the false disciples who had decided to abandon Jesus, the twelve, except of course for Judas, made a pledge to continue following him. And in this way, the author, the Apostle John, contrasts the stark difference between those who are fickle and those who are faithful. Now, the Holy One of God is an unusual description in the New Testament. In fact, it's only found in one other place in the New Testament, and that's when a demon-possessed man addressed him in the synagogue. That story is recorded in Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4. But it does remind us of a title of God that frequently occurs in the Old Testament. In fact, 121 times, I believe, where it's a title of God, and he's called the Holy One of Israel. And so, Peter, using this title, assigned to Jesus the highest possible place. It set him with God and not as a mere man. Verse 70, Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Now Jesus said, Did I not choose you? And here he's not referring to salvation, but rather to their selection as apostles. After Judas had been dismissed from the upper room at the Last Supper, Jesus spoke to the remaining disciples, the 11 disciples, and said, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Now, the disciples must have been shocked when Jesus revealed that there was a traitor in their ranks. All four of the Gospels, when they first mention Judas, all identify him as the traitor. 
Here, Jesus calls him a devil. Diablos in the original language. Diablos means slanderer and false accuser. When it's used in the plural, it's malicious gossips or gossipers. People who slander and gossip are devils, for they do the work of the devil. Satan, the supreme adversary of God, used Judas as his tool in opposing the work of God. So if you're in the presence of someone who is gossiping or slandering, you could call them a devil. They might not like that. In which you could say, well, I was just following the example of Jesus Christ. Now, Judas was the son of Simon Iscariot. Iscariot is derived from a Hebrew phrase meaning man of Kiriath. Kiriath was a village in Judea. And there was also another village of the same name in Moab. And it says here that Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Now, the fact that that Judas fulfilled Old Testament prophecy does not excuse Judas for his heinous act. The New Testament places responsibility for Jesus' betrayal squarely at Judas Iscariot's feet. In fact, Jesus said, The Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him. This speaks of God's foreknowledge and God's sovereignty. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. And that speaks to Man's, mankind's responsibility for our choices and our actions. Judas is the quintessential false disciple who so effectively imitated the true disciples every day for three years that they could not identify him even so late as the Last Supper. Now, during the first part of Jesus' ministry, people were attracted to him and came to him. Some of them came sincerely. Others came for selfish reasons. When the time came that their allegiance was tested, their, the true nature of their faith was apparent. Many of the crowd that day walked away from Jesus because they were either unwilling to set aside their own agenda and follow his, or they sensed this growing animosity towards Christ Jesus and those associated with him and wanted no part of it. So it's appropriate then for us to ask this question. Is your faith ready to be challenged? Is your faith ready to be challenged? Are you willing to set aside your own plans, your own priorities, your own preferences, and live for Jesus? Are you willing to be ridiculed 
because of your devotion to Christ Jesus. Now, American Christians have had it incredibly easy. Being in a nation that has been one nation under God. But today we're living in a culture that is increasingly anti-Christ and anti-Christian. So question, are you going to follow the crowd in order to fit in? Or are you going to stand firm in your conviction and testimony? Boy, some tough questions from our teacher, Pastor Leighton Sheely, Senior Pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. This is the kind of teaching that the congregation receives on a regular basis. And if you're looking for a church home, I certainly commend Church of the Highlands to you. You can find out more about it at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. This is a broadcast ministry called Study Verse by Verse, and we'll move into the seventh chapter of the book of John next week. I hope you can join us. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for being with us today. Have a great weekend. And do join us on Monday at this same time when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse.